Hey, good people, this is Yuri and I down back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, embodied trauma. Embodied trauma is my starting point. And uh, I'm, I, um, I don't know where it's going to end. I'm going to tell you this, though. I need this reflection. I feel like my health depends on it. And um, I'm going through some... um, In the last two weeks, this has happened about six times where um, I can't breathe. um, And my body feels... I have a lot of ache, like... It's a pain in my body. And... uh, and I, I, it's pain. And I believe it's emotion. I believe it's emotion. But um, I can't, when it happens, I literally can't breathe. And it is an intense pain. It's very uncomfortable. It's very, very uncomfortable. And so, I, I, I suspect that what's happening is there's something that is trapped inside trying to come out. What I was going to say, my starting point was entrapped trauma, entrapped trauma. But I was like, I don't know. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe embodied, embodied, embodied trauma. Maybe that doesn't make sense either. But we're going to work it out because... I don't, I, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing, I've tried everything else to address that. Um, I've done some healthy coping strategies. And in full transparency, I've done some unhealthy coping strategies. And it's not working. It's not working. I think because the coping strategies is trying to work around the trauma trying to ignore the trauma, trying to make different meaning. I don't know. I don't know. But it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. And God knows I've tried. <laughs> so the one thing I haven't tried is honesty. Honesty with myself and honesty in community. And here I am to do some honesty work. And this isn't community. It's not real community. It's not a physical community, but it is a digital community for me because I know that there are some of you who, are, who faithfully come back. I know you're here, and be, so you're you're my people for now, until I learn to build my people. And I still have a forest episode that I mentioned in the last episode that I wanted to do a forest reflection, and uh, I'm glad I've taken some time to process it because I. I think I'll be better able to to do that reflection. But I'm in the process of building that community, of building that lifestyle with that community. I'm going to do it. I deter, I'm, I see it. And I said it. I mentioned it at the end of last year. It was one of my final episodes of 2022. And I finally am starting to see how I'm going to do it. But I think this is, this, this right here is part of it. 
building and telling the truth. And when I come on this podcast, I do truth telling for myself in a way that I don't do in the world. So we're starting with embodied trauma, okay? If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory, the two theories that I use the most. Other Myers-Briggs and Enneagram, pushing those two systems together. I identify as an INTJ8. Also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. The trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years, half of that time has been in leadership. Um, I have a number of other disclaimers that I'm dropping, but for now you need to know that this project is unedited and is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at nuranidom.wordpress.com. All right. Um, this is a reflection that I, I, I knew I was going to do one day. But I didn't really want to do it on the podcast. I wanted to do it in a way where I could have a little more privacy. Even though I'm doing this in the digital community, I want to have a little more privacy. But I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I attempted to go to YouTube because YouTube will let me make an episode private. Um... I tried three times to record this in a 15-minute reflection. Three times. I can't. I can't do it in 15 minutes. So, It's difficult because some of it's embarrassing. Some of it's embarrassing. And I'm like, why is it embarrassing? Why is it embarrassing? It wasn't something that you did. So why is it embarrassing? I think it's the type eight in me. It doesn't, I don't want to feel, I don't want to present myself as a victim. I don't want to present myself as vulnerable. I think that's what it is. I see, I'm already thankful that I started this reflection because that's clarity. Because I'm like, why is this hard for me to talk about? Because it positions me as a victim. It positions me as weak. It positions me as something happened to me. And I'm a person that likes to have impact in the world. I'm an eight and I'm a J. (laughs) I'm an eight in the Enneagram system and I'm a J in the Myers-Briggs system. I like to have impact in the world. So that's probably why. And then there's some some social taboos. There's a taboo. You know, I'm I'm about to talk about family. And I've learned to talk about family in this project. It wasn't easy when I first started. And I've gone okay with it. I'm never never happy about it. <laughs> Especially when it's about some kind of family fight. And I'm coming in here with my emotions and I'm all over the place. And I'm like talking really fast. And like I don't complete sentences. I'm just disjointed. I'm all over the place. I don't like those episodes. But I do it because it's part of my journey. And this project has definitely proven to be a part of my healing, my growth, and a part of me claiming and reclaiming the life that belongs to me. There's a life that belongs to me, and I'm not going to sit around anymore and wait for somebody else to give it to me. You guys better buckle up, because this is going to be an emotional reflection. I can I can feel it. And I'm, it's just, it's got to come out of me. This is going to be a bumpy one. 
episode. Oh my God. I don't know why I thought I could do that in a 15 minute reflection, but anyway. So, I've done a lot of growing in this project. You guys, those of you who have been with me from the beginning, I know it's just, I know this is a very small space. I know, I know. And I, I, every time I think about changing the format to be like other podcasters and to get to grow it, I have to remind myself this project isn't about growing in numbers. It's about a qualitative growth, not a quantitative growth. It's about finding my people, knowing that there are people in the world who are either like me or who resonate with me or who connect with me. And you're going to know why that's important. You're going to know why that's important, really. So, I hate this. I hate being vulnerable. I hate it with everything in me. But I think this is the why this pain is... And I'm, I'm having heart palpitations. I've been having heart palpitations. I forgot to mention that. I'm not having a hard time breathing. I got to tell the truth. My grandfather would say, tell the truth and shame the devil. That's what I got to do. So bear with me, y'all. I'm having a hard time. So I'll just, I'm going to keep saying bear with me. Okay. All right. So I don't even know where to start. Uh, But it's Wednesday, by the way. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. And if you, if I release it. It's one thing to record it. It's going to be another thing to hit the publish button. But if I release it, I want you to know I recorded this on a Wednesday. Pretty much been in the habit of recording reflections on the weekends. Like, okay, this is just going on in my week. But sometimes there's something that's salient in the moment. And I think this is it. So I don't know if this, if I do publish this episode on a Wednesday, I don't know if this will replace my weekend reflection. Or if I'll do another one, I don't know. But doing only 25 episodes a season, I can only do five. Mathematically, that averages out to about five episodes a month. It's nothing stopping me from doing more or doing less. It's just I try to be structured in that way. It's the J in me. Sue me. <laughs> so anyway. All right, y'all. Let me let me stop belaboring this. Um, okay. Where do I want to start? Okay. Okay. So, um, in January, I told you all my person was diagnosed with cancer and, uh, it was stage one. It was stage one ish. I I said, the way they explained it, I said it was like a stage one B, but it was on the curative plan. We were on a curative, bro. We had a major surgery in May to remove the tumor. Exciting, but in order to prepare her body to go into surgery in May, they had to take her off of chemo. And I just learned so after chemo, they had to do a excuse me, after the surgery, they took her off chemo for three weeks. After the surgery, they had to do another scan to make sure you know. And they saw a spot in another organ, a shadow. 
And the doctors were like, well, we're going to just watch it. And my sister's like, watch it, hell, watch it, my ass, excuse me. But she said, this is what happened the first time you were watching something. And then it, be- it turned into cancer and you didn't catch it in time. So my sister demanded that they do something. And they came back and said that, that it, it was cancerous. And so when the cancer moves out of its place of origin to another organ, then it is no longer, it has to be categorized as stage four. So there is that in the other organ, and then there was some other tissue. And and, and I heard the, the doctor say the other day that that more than likely happened when they took her off of chemo to prep her body to go into surgery. Isn't that shitty? So it's no it's now stage four and there's no cure. So that's how do you even process that? So there's that. There's that. So that has been very difficult. That is that has caused an emotional storm like I don't I have not experienced, I experienced my grandmother, which was very difficult. My grandmother died from cancer. And being with her and seeing how the family was responding. And I don't know if, I don't, I never would imagine that this would, I don't know why this is, this is difficult. This is actually more difficult. And I'm, in many ways, I was closer to my grandmother than I am this person. But I'm going to use the word primal, and I don't think I'm using it the way I'm supposed to use it, but I'm, I'm going to use that word, y'all. I have a primal relationship with this person. Like, like primal, when you think about, like, life, <laughs> this person, this is about life. This person gave me life. This person was responsible for my life. So this person, you guys can tell who the person is. I just refuse to say it. I just refuse to say it. So it's a different ball. It's a different ball game. It's a different ball game when the person that gave you life is facing the end of us. It's just it's uh, it's just out of it's just out of this world. Hard to process. It's hard to process. So anybody who's gone through that, you know, I don't know. If you want to get some suggestions, feel free. I'll receive it. So, so there's that. So that that in and of itself could could explain some of the heart, the the problems I'm having with my body. I'm struggling with my body. That in its in and of itself should be enough. You guys, I'm getting to hit the triangle. When I talked about last episode, I, I made a list of things to talk about, and I said triangle. And I counted at the end, I count, I had a list of things and triangle was one of them. If I touched it, I didn't go into it. I'm in the triangle reflection right now. So this was coming. All right. So anyway, that's one point of the triangle. Just my relationship with this person in a primal way, dealing with this issue of life. And it's scary and it's 
it's just on. Uh, uh, anyway, I don't know. Okay, let me get off of this because I won't have any downloads. Then I'll have. <laughs> I already got five followers. I'm going to drop down to one. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I have a few more than five, but it's not that many more. Okay. Um. Oh, let's talk about the other point. So. This person is situated in a lot. My family, extended family, is probably like a lot of black families. Like we don't really do a nuclear family. We don't do nuclear family in the traditional sense. Mom, dad, kids in the household. So our extended family very much is part of our nuclear family, that immediate family. That extended families, and a lot of that has to do with resources. Not having the resources, you have to depict, you have to come together as a community to raise kids. So, I don't know. I don't have. I have cousins that are like cousins, but my first cousin, most of my first cousins are actually like my siblings. My grandmother was like a second mother to me. Like I always tell people I came from a queer family. I had two moms. I actually had five because I had aunts, you know. Um, so anyway, my person is situated in that family, the larger family structure in a way that her fighting, fighting this cancer is having a system-wide impact. Everybody is grieving. Everybody's out of their element. And again, it feels a little different than it did when my grandmother passed. And it could be because my grandmother passed and now we've had so many deaths in the family. My grandmother. My uncle 10 years, you know, 10 years prior, but my uncle and my grandfather, that was in 07 and 08. 08. But then when my grandmother died in 2017, my stepfather died in 2018. My uncle died in 2020. My dad died in 2021. My aunt died in 2022. Can you guys, do you see this? Do you see it? It's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. So this person fighting for, for her life is just, the whole system is on fire. And because I come from intergenerational trauma, that means other family members come from intergenerational trauma. And when you are triggered and you're going through stress, that trauma surfaces in ways that trauma surfaces. So I've already been talking about that. That's not new. But I've been navigating that. And for the most part, I've been doing okay. I've resolved I'm not, I don't, I've not done any social groups. It's hard. Anytime there's a social gathering, I don't go. I don't go. And I've cut back on my one-on-one contact, but in the last two weeks, uh, once we found out the cancer has moved to stage four, I've been in contact with people more on one-on-one basis just because, I, yeah, but I've still not done the group piece. So it's still managing them. I'm, I feel I'm doing really good self-care. Because I understand that people are triggered. I'm triggered. It's not a healthy place. Fine. So I'm really proud of that. What is it? One thing, one manifestation of the system-wide fire is my sister and I are not doing well. And what's interesting is that I think in her mind, we are doing well. I don't think she thinks we're doing well. But I think she's, uh, I think she's trying to 
she's in denial that we're doing well. We had a really big fight last week. I talked about that already. So I, being the big sister and the person I, I don't want to live with any regret, I told her, I said, hey, I'm gonna give, we're going to have grace during this season. Grace and space. I called it grace and space. So I did do that. And she was like, I don't need space. Clearly you do. Clearly you do because you're, she's, she's just pulled away. So I had a friend of mine who said that when she goes through a lot of pain, she pulls away as well. And I get that. As a person who's an introvert, I'm not overly social. But it's a hard thing when you, somebody has been designated as your person, as, as a, as a, you know, your go-to, your daily go-to support system. And then they're poof, they're gone. And they're not just not gone from everybody. They're just gone from me. You know, it is what it is. But I'm so, I will accept that that's how she's coping. I will. But I am not going to deny that it's painful. It's a loss for me. It's a loss. Which is why I have to do that forest episode. Because in that forest episode, I'm going to talk about cultivating community. And that's the thing with family. You didn't have to cultivate it. We should cultivate relationships with family. But technically, family is like a built-in community. You were born into it. It's just there. That's no longer, that's not working. That hasn't worked in a long time. I haven't even fought that. What I haven't done is I haven't learned how to cultivate a new family. I've talked about doing it. I didn't know how to. And this podcast episode in the forest was really good. It was really, really good. So I'm going to do a short YouTube reflection on that one. But it's good. I haven't recorded it yet. I got up to record it today, but this is, this is what took over my brain. Because <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't keep having these panic attacks. I don't know what they are called. I don't know what they are. What's the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack? I think, I think I'm having anxiety attacks. They might be the same, but if they're different, I'm, doing, I'm having anxiety attacks. So anyway, I'm feeling better already. Just talking this through, I'm feeling better. So, so, uh, how am I, sister is responding to this situation is uh, pulling away. And I actually think she's pulling away from me. And I called her and I asked her, this is right before we got into the argument. I asked her, I said, do you think, because she said to me that she was starting to try to prepare herself for the loss and for the void that is going to exist in her life. So kind of like building a new life to work around that void. Well, I'm attached to the person. Are you trying to, in some ways, it almost feels like she's, like when that person goes away, I'm going to go away. It really feels that way. I don't, I could be wrong, but that's how she's been functioning. And if that's what she chooses to do, and if that's what she has to do for her own wellness, I said, I'm going to support it. I will respect it. But that is not what I want to do. And so if you're now going to... Uh, so, <laughs> oh God, uh, this is going to be a tangent, but let me say this. So y'all know I'm into social sciences 
as I'm a social scientist, and one of the social sciences is politics. You know, so you already know. I don't think anybody anywhere does not know that our former president has been indicted four times now on criminal charges. And you guys, it's amazing that I haven't brought that up, but I've been prepared to do a talk on my primary podcast. But if you want to know my reflections on that, let me know. I will do one here, but I try to be respectful. You know, I try to be respectful. On my podcast number one, I already know those people. (laughs) I know who they are. Uh, they came to me because of the political part. But you guys didn't come to me for the political. You came to me. I don't know why you came to me, but anyway. I just haven't talked about it, the indictments. But anyway, one thing I will say is that this fourth indictment is called a RICO. It's a RICO charge. Racketeering is something. I got to study that. I don't know it. But apparently, again, I'm learning this, that the criminal charges can be Broad and sweeping. So you can have so many counts. But you only have to prove two of them. To get a conviction. So if there are 100. If there are 30. there are 10. You only need to go after the two. That you believe will secure a conviction. So someone said it's called. Pick, like pick two. Like you go into the drive through of a uh, fast food restaurant and you're like, I need, I want this, I want this. Or you go into a, uh, a smorgasbord or, you know, a la carte. I need this one, I need this one. So you have a range of options, a range of criminal activity. You only need to pick two that you can get, a, that you can secure a conviction. Pick two. Now, anyway, that's all I'm going to say. Now let me bring it back to my reflection. <laughs> um, and is that's what it feels like my sister is doing. Like, I'm going to pick how I'm going to choose to do my relationship with you, sister. And the, and the relationship is not going to consist. We had all of this <laughs> in our sisterhood. And she just picked the two that she could handle. Okay. Again, I do respect that. But all of the other stuff that are left on the table, the, the things that you didn't pick, are extreme losses for me. That's hard. So while your, your self-care is hurtful, but I get it. So who controls the relationship now? Who controls that? Like, this is not a mutually agreed upon relationship. You, in, the, in the solo pilot, uh, community, the guy came up the guy who's leading that called it, uh, he calls it relationship design. Two people sit down and you design it. Well, this thing that's happening with my sister, we're not designing it. She's designing it for her comfort. So what, what does that mean for me? So if the friend of mine, I was telling her, like, well, that's what I do. I'm like, well, you can do that if you want to. But I don't know, I don't know how you, that's not about maintaining a relationship. That's about maintaining your sanity. And if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. But you also have to be willing to accept that in doing that, you may not have the same relationship anymore. And maybe you're okay with that. Anyway, this is where I struggle. This is where I struggle with, where's the line? 
Where's the line between loving somebody enough to let them do their thing and loving yourself enough to say, shit, that's fucked up. Now I've just got this loss. With these 20 things that I'm used to experiencing in the world, I can't experience them now because my sister has decided she to pick to pick two. Okay. So I'm sure that, that it, that's the second part of the grief right now. So the, the one is my person trying to wrestle, wrestle with that. The two, the, the second one is how my sister is coping and trying to be a good sister in that. I want to be a good sister. But no, I want to be good to myself too. I said, that's messed up. And then the third part. And the third part is where it's going to get ugly. (sighs) My person has a way of 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 uh, situating me in the world in a way that's problematic. And it is very problematic because of my primal relationship with this person. It's hard to be problematized by this person. So we'll say that. This person has problematized me in the world. And then the people around her in loving her have, have, they've grown to embrace some of that Theory. I don't think they've done all of it, but some of it. Because I'm no longer fighting against it. So the way, so my person has called me a candle. I know that's not a good one. Uh, let me see, let me see, get something that has a, a darker nature. Okay, I got one. My person has called me a spider. Spiders, for some people, have a darker nature, but I learned Spiders can be perceived as friendly. So we're going to stick with this, with Charlotte's Web and the friendly spider. We're going to work with that metaphor. But for the most part, people think spiders are creepy. So my person has framed me as a spider, as a creepy spider. (laughs) And most of my life, I've lived with that framing and because of of uh the socialization process and, and because of the primal relationship that I have with this person it took a long 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 time longer than I think was necessary because of the trauma but when the primary person okay so when you were a baby you learn your emotion. You learn about emotions through your parents, particularly your mother. When you're crying, you're sad. It is, it is that caregiver, that primary caregiver, that will say, "Someone's sad, or you're sad, you're angry." They give you words to the emotion. 
A former student of mine called me really having a hard day, time yesterday. She's 31, I think. And she's in another relationship that's hurtful. She's been divorced. And uh, she's been divorced. She was divorced a few years ago. And then she was in a committed living relationship. That ended. She was struggling with that. So when she called me about this relationship, I'm thinking she's talking about this person she lived with. And she, I had no idea there was another person that she had developed some intense emotions with. So I was halfway through the conversation before I realized we were talking about somebody new. And uh, so, yeah. So I just, I, I said, hey. And she had given me, you know, she trusts me. So, you know, I played, I was her person. <laughs> uh, she lost her mother too, by the way. That That's important context. But uh, she lost her mother maybe five years ago. And, uh, and she, she was, uh, uh, I've been a mentor of hers. She calls me a mentor. Uh, 20 years, about almost 20 years, maybe 18. So I had a relate, a mentoring relationship with her before her mom passed, but obviously with her mother passing that, you know, I, I take it seriously, you know. I try to be there. She's got big sisters and everything. She's got a big family. So, but I, I, I just take it seriously when she calls me like that. So, but I asked her one other time. She told me yesterday, she reminded me that I had asked her, was she depressed? And she said she didn't think so. And I told her that she could be functionally depressed. And she said she went and looked that up and she realized that that was what she was contending with. I do try to get her to go to therapy. But then when I hear, when I try to encourage people to go to therapy and then I hear these stories with these therapists, I'm like, oh Lord. So what I need to tell people now, instead of just telling them to go to therapy, I need to tell them, this is how you select a therapist. <laughs> this is how you select a good therapist. And this is how you set healthy boundaries with a therapist. Because even when you get a good therapist, you still have to have healthy boundaries. You still got to work through it. So anyway. So anyway, so yesterday I found out there was a third person. I was like, oh. So as we were getting ready to get out the phone, I said, I want to I give you something to research. Because she likes to read. I think she's a, she's a, she's testing as an ENFP. And when she first tested as an ENFP, I didn't believe it because I, I, she's like my mini me. I was like, oh my God. I could have swore she was an INTJ, but she's tested several times as an ENFP. And I think I can figure out why I was confused because you got the F, F-I-T-E there. So where my, my, my middle functions are T-E-F-I, her middle functions are F-I-T-E. So we, that's why we're similar. We have the same middle functions. They're just inverted. And they were both intuitive doms. She's an extroverted intuitive dom, and I'm an introverted intuitive dom. So it makes sense. It makes sense. It's interesting. Otherwise, I'm like, what? So anyway, I said, I want to give you something to read. Go look at me read. I said, this is not a diagnosis. Not at all. But I'm thinking, once you read it, there might be, there might be some language in there for you to use to help you navigate. 
what you're trying to navigate. So I gave it to her. Uh, she called me. She said it was, it felt so spot on. She said, it's so spot on. And she was like, okay, looking that up. And then put in the word family. Looking it up, put in the word work. Then attaching parenting. Relationship. She's like, and every time she kind of tries to go and become more specific, it's still speaking to her. So I said, still not a diagnosis. You need to go to a doctor, to, you know, a therapist to get that. But at least it can help her to start making sense. I don't know why I went down that rabbit hole. Why did I go down that rabbit hole? I need to be talking about my own diagnosis. How about that? Uh, but I think... So I know why I said it because a a caregiver can help you navigate, can give you words to help you to navigate what you're navigating. You don't know because you're especially if you're younger. So the caregiver will name it, and I want you to know this is why I was very careful with her. I said this is not a diagnosis. I'm not saying this is you. Just go read it. And that still was a dangerous thing that I did. But I, I think, you know, because I'm a licensed psychology teacher. No, I, I am a licensed psychology teacher, but that doesn't, no, I, no. But I felt safe enough to tell her to just read and then go talk to a, a doctor. So that's what my person did for me, Carolina. My person gave me words that became an identity as a spider, as a as a harmful, dark, creepy spider. So up until about five years ago, I identified as being a dark, creepy spider. Yep. It wasn't just... And... And this is the why, this is the reason why, well, this is one of two reasons why I've done therapy all my life. Because I've been trying to fix myself to not be a dark, creepy spider. And it's probably, probably, well, you know, they say that when you grow up in trauma, you end up getting into professions that will help you resolve that trauma. It helps you resolve it. You couldn't resolve it as a kid. So now you're going to pick a profession that you can work it out. That's why a lot of therapists are therapists. Because they're trying to work out shit that they couldn't work out when they were kids. My therapist actually gave me a book about that. <laughs> I'm reading the book and it's talking about being a therapist. So I had to go. I was like, this is early in our, earlier, earlier on in our relationship. I was like, you know, I'm not a therapist, right? She was like, yeah, I know, but you're in a helping profession. You're As a teacher, as an educator, you're a helping profession. And so I just thought it would still be good for you. And it really was. And when I wrote my first book, because now I can say I got three books that I've published, y'all. I'm a published author three times. And even though I said I was going to park my writing practice while I try to get this business going, because the writing don't pay the bills, it sure feels good to write and publish, y'all. If I said I was going to park writing for a year. I can't do it. <laughs> so I've been like opening up documents and files that I've started. Like, oh, let's just look at it. So 
there are two. I got a blog blog post that I um like three paragraphs from completing. I don't know why I just won't write the damn three paragraphs. And then I have a book that is it's 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 I don't know, it's not just outline, like there are sections. I would say the book is halfway written. So it's so enticing. It's like it's halfway written. Let me just finish it. Oh, and I got to tell you all this. I have to tell you this. Since you're going to be here in this messy reflection. So as I was, I'm trying to figure out uh, this part, this project, your NI Dom, because, you know, I'm trying to find a way to have a, uh, give some of you who are faithful, you know, give you more content. If you're here for it, I have more to share, you know. Like this pro- this reflection I'm doing right now really probably should be to the people who have been here for it. But it is I ha- this is for my own sanity. That's why I'm doing this one. So, but anyway, so part of when you build this, uh, like whether it's going to be a newsletter, it's going to be a, a newsletter community. I have to give something away to kind of entire like this is the business side. You got to give something away to bring somebody to you. So I can tell you all in the podcast and then have you come over and come to the website and sign up for the newsletter community. But then there might be some other people in the world that could very well should be a part of this. They just weren't attracted to the podcast. So anyway, I'm like, I think I I might have some content already that I haven't published. I put in a couple of keywords. I was looking for a keyword and a book popped up that I had started. Another book that I have forgotten about that I started in 2016. I think the last time I touched that book was 2018. I haven't touched it in five years, y'all. And it's good. And it's, it's, it's kind of about what I'm talking about in this episode, which might mean spiritually that I might be ready to confront this. Right. And it just popped up two days ago. It's been on my hard drive. And and doing a keyword search for something else, it popped up. I was like, what is this? And that book is halfway written, but that's a shorter book. I'm like, wow. So I think, yeah, it is about this, about my my caregivers. But anyway, so up until five years ago, I have been going to therapy to... Get help on not be, being a dark, creepy spider. And every therapist that I have was like, I, "This is not your. This is not. This is not what's going on. That's not a diagnosis that fits you." And I remember ten years ago, I got creative, so I wasn't using the, the dark, creepy spider. I came up with another one. Oh, I'm a snake. I'm not a dark, creepy. Spider, I'm a dark, creepy snake. And I went this research and I found a new therapist. I'm like, with my printouts, I put my printouts in front of like this is this is what I think is me. See, look, look, read this. I've still I've diagnosed myself. This is what I am. And it was so ironic that this new therapist did her dissertation on the snake. You guys know I'm still in a metaphor, right? And I was like, no, no, I don't think that. And then I have my current therapist of seven years. It's the longest one uh, relationship with therapist I've had. And mainly because I I went to her because I was going through a breakup. And then 
as I was going through a breakup, I had to get back on my feet. Like I just been a, anyway, so that's a seven year relationship that we've had to do a lot of work in. We're at another place of doing some renegotiating what this thing is that we're doing, this long-term therapeutic relationship. But we could talk about that at another time. And she was the one in the books, like she, she's an NIW, she's an INFJ. She spoke, she speaks my language where the other therapists were saying, no, they couldn't really get help me to see what was really happening. And, uh, and actually right before I met this therapist, the universe had started sending me people to tell me what the, the universe had started sending me people and literature to prep me for this particular, what this, this particular therapist has had to offer me about my, my identity, my self identity as a dark, creepy spider. And uh, I, I may have told you guys this. I've had two white women, actually, who told me. And that's interesting. I didn't, I'm just making this connection. Both of them living in two different regions, not just two different states, two different regions in the country. Probably in the same age range within about five years so they both said when you're around that person when you I can tell when you've been around that person because this is how you this is the energy this is how you act this is this this there are characteristics that are on you when you've been around that person yep and one even went so far as to say I don't know that person. I don't want to misspeak, but you remind me of my sister and how my sister had a relationship with her person and what that was about. She said, you may want to go read this. There's literature. You may want to go read it. As I started reading it, very similar to what my student did, right? I'm like, oh my God. Yep. So the universe had started prepping me for understanding that I'm not a creepy spider. I might have problems, <laughs> but that ain't it. And uh, and then when I, this particular therapist that I have, I didn't go to her because I was trying to ask her about being a spider. Wasn't even processing that. I was trying to get out of that relationship. I found my therapist a, a year before, a year before my, uh, relationship ended because I I needed I knew remember I said earlier in this reflection I don't know I've done I've deleted several so I don't know if I said I think I said this though because of learning because of being raised in an environment where somebody is saying I love you and yet they're also doing harmful things I didn't I, I still am struggling just a little bit but I didn't understand that love wasn't hurtful. My understanding of love is that it just hurts sometimes. It just hurts. It doesn't mean a person doesn't love you. It's just you gotta it's just part of love. And I think to a certain extent, you gotta compromise in love. But how you guys have heard me say it, my signals 
traffic signals are out. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. They hated me, hates that. But if you know eights in the Enneagram, it's all about all that's what that's what I love about the Enneagram. It's gonna take that childhood stuff that you went through and it's gonna put it in context as an adult. So we all got something. <laughs> so but eights there was abuse in the home. Yeah. There was abuse in the home. Which is why I also contest as a one because of the kind of abuse. There were two types of abuse that I uh, was exposed to in the house as a child. One, the biggest one, which was physical abuse, it never hit me physically, but I was a, I witnessed that. I witnessed physical, I witnessed physical abuse on a person in the house. I witnessed the person having to go to the emergency room. I witnessed bloody nose. I witnessed that. I, I, I was the one as the oldest sibling having to go get my sister and take her and then locking us up in the room, turning on the music so that the screaming and the yelling, we couldn't hear it, right? Psychologically, that's some real shit. And I don't know if you ever, I don't know how you really ever get, I don't know. I don't know. But I did have somebody tell me uh, when I was at the start of my 10-year relationship that I had never really processed that, that I had normalized it. When I was like, yeah, there was abuse in the home. And the, and the therapist was like, was there physical? Was it bad? I said, I was like, yeah, it was bad. Was anybody hospitalized? Yeah, a couple of times. And she said, you don't have any emotions around that? I'm thinking, what emotions do you want to have? I know it was bad. I know it was bad. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> what do you want from me, lady? <laughs> so uh, I didn't know that I wasn't properly addressing that. So I've done that work. But there was another kind of abuse in the house that wasn't physical. It was emotional, it was verbal, psychological. And surviving that put me in a one state, one, you know, you trying to be good for that affection. So I think that's another reason why I can show up as a one sometime. I may have processed that back in 2020. There's an episode on being eight or one or something. I don't know what I, I don't know what I titled it, but so anyway. So I said all of that that the psychological and the verbal abuse uh, as a child was uh, my person telling me how bad I am, how bad I am, how bad I was. That's when I was a kid. How I embarrassed her. How when my stepfather, before he proposed to her, that I was the reason why he would propose to her. Uh, my hair came out really bad one summer. I was in sixth grade. Uh, I had a I had a jerry curl <laughs> and my person couldn't afford to get keep it up. Well, so anytime you put chemicals in the hair, 
Like that, you got to maintain it or the hair would break off. And then that was the summer I did a lot of swimming. So the chlorine of the water, I didn't know how to take care of my hair. It really broke off really bad. It was very short. I don't even think it was short enough to put curls in it. So it was, we had to go somewhere. And my person was trying to do something with my hair, like trying to put a, a headband on it or something, because you couldn't do anything with it. And you couldn't do anything with it. And so my person got so frustrated that the brush, she took the brush and hit me in the head with it, like slammed the brush in my head. That's not okay. So even those of you who uh, agree with uh, physically disciplined kids, like I, you know, I don't want to judge that because I'm not a parent, and I, I, I think that I, I can see spankings working. I can see that they work. I can see. That's just, I'm not gonna say that they work. I can see a case for them. I could see it, but. I, I think today, if I got, oh my God, if I got pregnant today, <laughs> that's funny. But if I had kids, I would spank. But nonetheless, slamming a brush in your child's head is not a spanking. So that's an example. So there was some of that. There was some physical, there was some physical. I don't know if that was abuse. There was physical harm now. There was also the, the, the threat of my person would threaten to kill herself when the, when the world got too stressful for her. And as a kid, and you understand about death, Seeing your person lock themselves in a closet to uh, say that they're going to kill themselves is devastating. So those are things that happened when I was a kid. I wasn't like, uh, I, that's around, I would say around uh, nine, let's say 10 to my cheap, you know, I would say 10 to 14, 10 to 15. That was a lot of that. I was constantly put on punishment when I got older. Then you take the, from me to from 15 to 18, I was forever put on punishment. I had a, like I may have said this already, I had a friend of mine who stopped, she broke up with me in a friendship. She said, I can't, every time it's, it's time for us to do something, you get put on a punishment. I know what that is now. That's weaponizing, that's power. I'm going to punish you. You can't do the thing that you said you were going to do. I can't really do those other things I was doing. So now I'm going to do this. There was making disparaging comments about my looks. I couldn't look into a mirror. up in, I, I wasn't able to look into a mirror until about... Maybe 15, 20 years ago. I'm 52. It took me to my 30s for me to be able to look into a mirror. Now, I would look in the mirror in the morning when I had to brush my teeth. But after that, I couldn't look at a mirror. I would walk past mirrors and look the other way. 
so there was that. Then, so then there was that. Then there was the punish, extreme punishments and the more verbal stuff. And then um, when I became an adult, that's when it started becoming, it started, uh, my person started enlisting other people into seeing me as the villain. So I'm an INTJ, and what most of this I've understood as my person was, was is, my person is an ESFJ. So as an intuitive, I'm different. I'm a thinker. My person is a feeler. I'm an I'm an introvert. My person is an extrovert. So there were so many things about me that were different. And if my person was young and struggling with their own trauma, they did not know how to nurture an INTJ child. And so I have come to make peace that a lot of that was because as an INTJ child, I triggered my person. And my person did not have healthy ways of coping. That's how I've made sense of most of it. But what's happening, and I got tons of stories, and so what I said I was going to do, I need to write, I want to do a timeline. Uh, I need to put all of those stories, I need to get them out of my body and put them on a piece of paper and put them in a timeline. my therapist had given me a book about five years ago. Uh, I told you about this. It's a book entitled Mothers Who Can't Love. And uh, when I first read the book, I had so much happening in my body. I could only read like a page. Actually, I've not finished the book yet. But I remember as I forced myself to get through it, it took, you know, I'm about halfway done with it. It took a few years to get halfway done with the book. I was like, damn, I could have written this story had I believed it. So it was almost like reading something and then somebody else had to, I could never validate that these things were bad. I knew that these things happened. I knew they didn't feel good, but I couldn't put them in context. And so as I'm reading this book, I'm like, I could have written this book. This, These are my stories. I still have given this person grace because I still believe the this person comes from intergenerational trauma, as I do. And I think that I'm an, as an INTJ, there's a darkness about me. I'm not a dark, creepy spider, but I'm not social. I'm not a feeler. I'm not grounded in the sensory world. I can get why this my person had a hard time with. I can get that. But it doesn't excuse the harm that I was exposed to and that I was exposed to throughout adulthood. So I'm going to start wrapping up, y'all. Believe it or not. In 2011, you guys have heard me say this, that I decided to do some self-parenting. That's not true. I heard from the spirit, the universe, that I needed to do some self-parenting. And I started studying that. I think this is where personality theory has been a life game changer for me. Uh, 
to learn myself and give myself a, an identity that's different from how my my caregiver the words that my caregiver caregiver gave me wasn't working I kept trying to pathologize myself and every time I take myself to a therapist the therapist was like you're dealing with something that is difficult and every therapist even when I was a kid the therapist the my person took me to therapy said that it was believed that the divorce was causing me to act in the way <laughs> it just I definitely remember being withdrawn. I definitely being, but I would, but was that a problem? As an introverted child, what's the, was it a problem? Anyway, and the therapist told my person, this isn't about her. This is actually about you. I was in the room. I, yeah. So I've had that type of feedback from therapists before, but it wasn't until I, could, I got into personality theory that I better understood. I could see what the therapist could see. I couldn't see it. All I could see was the words and the images that my person had, had given me for so long. You get what I'm saying? So, it, you know, their uh, personality theory is, is just, it was a life changer for me. MBTI in particular, which is why I hated the Enneagram when I first got into personality theory, because the Enneagram shows you how, shows you your dark side. I was like, I'm just getting to a place where I can see myself in a healthy way. I don't need that. But after I did some healing, I could go and pick up the Enneagram and I was ready for the dark side of me. It's an interesting thing, though, to embrace the dark side of yourself as an adult. But how do you how do you say you were dark as a child when someone else was responsible for you? You get what I'm saying? I, I can't take that theory back to being. I can say I can look at the Enneagram and say, "Yep, this is a problem. Yep, I got to make sure I don't. I got to stay healthy here. I got to stay away from unhealthy these unhealthy behaviors. I got that." But I cannot reconcile that as a child. So, uh, I do want to say, because I think there are different stages of it. There was when I was between 10 and 15, it, that toxicity looked one way. Uh, between 15 and uh, I would say, Twenty-four. That toxicity looked a different way, and mainly at fifteen, I started leaving the house. I started staying. I, st I started staying with friends, going over to the friends' house. I started staying with my grandmother. Then, when I got into a my first ten-year relationship of ten years, I started staying with his grandmother, like literally. And uh, and man, those people loved on me, and they watched how I would get in trouble and get on punishments and. And, and they would go, I don't understand what, you're a good girl. They would say, you're a good girl. Uh, my ex's grandmother would, one day, I, sometimes just randomly she would say, you know you're beautiful. You know you're loved. I love you. The, you know, there was that. And I remember my aunt saying, are you going over there talking about us? 
No, I'm not talking about you. But if I'm over there wounded, if I'm wounded and they can see it on me and they're loving, I don't know what you want me to do. But there's, so, I, you know, you grow up in the family, like you don't talk about what happens. You know, it's not just my family. You don't talk about abuse. You don't talk about familial abuse. You keep it quiet. And so, uh, and then from 24 to my 30s, now I'm in my career. And then it became something different because I was, I'm good at what I do. Although you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it now (laughs) because I don't, but we're going to talk about the shift in my industry locally that's happening, but that's okay. Uh, but I'm, I've historic, I've been good. And that's what the one thing about the shift locally now, you can't take that data away. And even when I go and work somewhere, people, have, well, people will say, she's good, but I'm just not likable. And I'm like, yeah. And I've always been able to sanitize that part of myself through work. But this is probably one of the reasons why I've been a workaholic. Because I've never, I wasn't a dark, creepy spider at work. When I was at work as a teacher, I had students who trusted me, who loved me, believed in me. I had parents who invited me over for dinner. They, I got to see the positive parts of me there. I saw myself as effective, changing lives. When I became a leader, I had staff that depended on me, who trusted me. They still have a relationship to them to this day. I got to cleanse, cleanse this dark spider part of me off the creepy spider away through my work. And then I got public recognition. And then my person started situating herself in my world, the world I built. And because of who she is and the, 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 the stories, the narratives that we have on families, I couldn't protect myself there. This is the part that's very painful for me. I think that stuff that when I was a kid, I can talk about that without emotion. But this, 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 my person situating herself in my world and taking the world, the, the world that I had to create away and then, and then not having the boundaries because of who she is and the stories and the myths that we have about these, this particular role. When I had my own school, and I'm closing, when I had my own school, and I am, I have so many stories that I, I, like I said, reading that book, I need to, I think that's what's happening in my body. These stories, they've got to come out of me. They've got to come out of me because they're just in my body trapped. I have my own school. This person situated herself for me to hire her. Because her job that she had was so bad. She had to leave. She was having a... And so there was this pressure on me. I needed a business manager. There was this pressure on me to hire her. And I knew it wasn't a good deal. What was I going to say? If I don't hire her, then that means I'm causing her to have pain in the job that she had. So I hired her. She quit that other job. She came to work. She didn't do the job that I asked her to do. She did everything she wanted to do. And then she wanted to go off on me in front of my staff. And I said, you can't do that. 
You can't, you can't talk to me like that. First of all, I'm grown. I'm in my thirties. First of all, let's start there. I'm a grown ass woman. You can't talk to me like that anymore. But even if you were going to do that and I'm tolerating it, you can't do that in front of my staff. It undermines my authority and I am, I, I have to keep this building safe and that authority is necessary for safety. She was going to, and the, the day that, the last day I asked her to, to not talk about me in front of staff, she's in the middle of an audit. And when I, I don't know if you've ever been through an audit. It was my first audit. I did not know how to do an audit. So we weren't, we weren't prepped for an audit. So it was a hot freaking mess. And, uh, piles, stacks of stuff. We had auditors and suits. You know, all of these business people in the, in the building with suits. You had stacks of files everywhere they had the audit. And my person ups and quits. As the business manager in the middle of an audit, my business manager walks out and quit because I asked her to not talk to me a certain way in front of my staff. And then we didn't talk for a few months. Never, never, never apologized to that. In 2016, she threatened to punch me, balled up her fist. So, what would you do if I just punch you? You guys, this is shitty. And I think I am going to release it. Just hearing it, just hearing me talk through this. In a way that, so, you know, like I can go to a therapist and I can talk about this in a private room, right? I think this is what's happening for me right now. I can go and talk about this in a private room. But it, but I walk out of there and that stays there. I might have a friend that I can share that with. But listen, in this podcast, I talk about having an impact in the world. And I take, I say, oh, I'm an African-American. Well, I'm from intergenerational trauma. I'm, I'm a, I got years of leadership. I'm an INDJ. I'm an eight, right? I, I'm a critical race feminist, right? These are all of the things that I identify with that influence, that I want you to know that influence how I do my reflections, how I go about my life, how I make decisions. And yet these stories that I'm telling you in this episode, they don't make it to the table. As close as it gets is by me telling you I'm from intergenerational trauma. And all of the conflict that I've had in the process of this podcast for three years, when I have had conflict with the family, I've never talked about the parts with this person. Because this person has a sacredness in society. And I haven't been able to confront that. She's been hurtful. She has been hurtful and harmful. Yet she loves me. I believe it. I believe it. I believe she loves me the best way she knows how. So for the most part, we've been okay. The last five years I've given, I just got it. I got it. I got it. I just, 
I talk about it in therapy. I may talk about it, but I got it. I don't need to. But now that we're going through this incredibly difficult time, I'm around her a lot. And she's doing this thing because I'm a creepy spider still. So my sister is her designated point of contact. My sister lives in another state. So I'm taking you to your doctor's appointments and I got to be in the doctor. And then the, the, the doctor's like, this other person, my, 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 my person's like, well, this other, my daughter is the one you could call. And so the doctor looks at me and I go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm her other daughter. <laughs> I'm just her oldest. By the way, my brother, my half brother just lost his mother. She passed away two days ago and he's having conflict with his siblings. And on the phone, he tells me yesterday, and I, I don't know how I'm going to support him in this. He's having conflict with his siblings because his siblings won't respect that he's the oldest. There's a there's some respect that he's supposed to have because he's the oldest. How the hell am I going to support you and the respect you're supposed to have as the oldest when I'm not getting the respect as the oldest <laughs> with my person? I can't support that. And I, I just had the conversation my person just recently was just telling me how bad I was as a kid, how I couldn't keep the house clean. And I was like, yeah, I said, yeah, maybe. As an intuitive, I wasn't as in tune to the, to the dishes as, as you needed me to be. Okay. I can understand that's frustrating. I said, but can we also talk about the things that I did that I did do well? You know, my person was like, like what? <laughs> that's what my person said just within the last week or so. When I said, hey, can you just not look at the negatives? I said, hey, can you? I've done some positive. I did some positive things as a kid. Like what? Well, like being a second parent. And even though you don't think I cleaned up, I did clean up. I was responsible. I had chores. Because if I didn't do chores, I was going to get put on punishment or I was going to get a quote-unquote spanking. So I did do the chores. I did keep us safe. Because there was no one else to look over. And when you were threatening to kill yourself, I was the one who had to psychologically talk you out, come out of the room. So that's a huge burden for a kid. But sh but you're not going to be able to recognize any of that. So I think what's happening for me, because every time I have this anxiety attack, I've been with her. Every time I was with her Thursday, Friday, I had an attack. I was with her yesterday, last night, I had an attack. It's just a lot. And, and then there's guilt. There's confusion because she's my person and I don't want anything to happen to her. And I'm like, it's devastating to think that we'll never be able to resolve that. She's never going to apologize. Never. We're facing that possibility. And it's not, she's apologized for some, some kids, some things. Just eat, there's tons of stuff of me being an adult woman that, that she did. As you know, in the, in, in, it, it's just a lot. 
And it's and because I don't want to be the victim, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, let me tell you how let me tell you how much of a badass I am. Let me tell you about the books that I've read. Let me tell you about the school that I've done. Let me tell you about this business I'm doing. Let me tell you about me being in leadership, right? Right? Like like let's just be honest. And I think all of those things about me are true. And yet there's this other thing. So that when a student calls me and and and, and is dealing with something, I can speak life into her. I can speak life into people because I know what it's like to have the life taken out of you psychologically, to know what it means to want somebody to speak something positive to you. So this is the book that I will finish, that I pulled out. I will finish this book and I will give it, and you guys will have access to it first. <laughs> you can have access to it first, those of you who need it. So every time I have to come on this podcast and talk about something god-awful difficult, I'm like, why in the hell would I do that? Why would I do that? Why would you tell your business like that to strangers? Because you're my people. Until I learn how to build my physical, until I learn how to build my forest, you're my digital forest. You are that. You're that. My therapist said, I have closer here. My therapist said once, uh, she has a few transgender persons that she treats. And part of their treatment is when they come into that room for that hour, she deals with them as they see themselves. In the world, the world doesn't respect the, the, the person that they're transitioning into, right? And there may be some of you in this, because this whole Budweiser thing that uh, with the transgender spokesperson and now Budweiser, there's a boycott. I, what? So if, if, so I might be getting ready to lose some people in this podcast, right? But yo, there's no transphobia here. And I will be the first one to tell you that I actually had to do a lot of learning because I had some transphobic orientations that I didn't know. But I learned it. I checked myself, right? So we're not doing that up in here. So if you got to go, bye. Bye. <laughs> don't let the, what my granny said, don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> so so anyway, so these these trans people, uh, individuals, and I hope I'm saying it right. If this is, if I'm still saying something that's offensive, I hope somebody will contact me and let me know. But um, so it, a trans woman, then then my therapist was was dealing with her as a woman, fully as a woman, and she said because I want her to know what it feels like to have somebody to accept you fully as you are, as you see yourself. So that when you go into the world and you deal with people who aren't dealing with you respectfully in a healthy way as you see yourself, you're going to know what it feels like in your body. God dang it. That's it, y'all. That's it. That's it. That's it right there. Damn it. That just hit me. Because that's what she said. She said, you're going to know how it feels in your body because you're like, wait a minute. And that's exactly what's been happening to me in my body. My body is telling me something is off. And I don't know how to reconcile that. Because there's no way in hell, there's no way in hell that I'm not going to be there for my person. There's no way in hell, but it's hurting me. 
My body is screaming. My body is screaming out that I have been harmed in that relationship and there's been no reconciliation. None. It is what it is. So, yes, I'm going to release this episode. If I don't have power to do anything else, I got power to tell my damn story and hit the publish button. So if anybody from my life comes and finds this podcast and you don't like it, excuse me, but fuck you. Okay? And I'm saying that with a smile. Sorry if you had kids around. Normally when I use the F-bomb, I give a warning. (laughs) I'll put it in the show notes so you don't listen to this around kids. Just, no, screw you. No, no, no. This is interesting. This is, I knew, I knew, I knew it. This, I knew it. I knew I was going to have a discovery. My body is screaming out, telling me that all is not well. All is not well. That's why I'm having those anxiety attacks, y'all. My person asked me to do something on Saturday. I think I told you all this. And I found a way not to do it. I felt a little guilty. Because I'm like, time is running out, you know. I, I hope I hope we have some time. But last week, the doctors were talking like months. It was devastating to hear that. Months. But... It could be we're learning. It could not. It could be long. We we could be dealing with some years. And I, I want to find a way to enjoy her and celebrate her and, and tap into her humanity. And I was reading that that's what happens in childhood trauma, that the caregivers strip the humanity of the child away. And you don't even know how to be in your own body. Because you have to leave your body in order to stay psychologically sane. And I'm in a situation where I'm doing a lot of healing work coming into my body. And my body is screaming out, this isn't healthy, this isn't healthy. And because I don't want to admit it, I don't want to admit it out loud because I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be like, whoa, it's me. Right? Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. My body is screaming out. I don't know what the solution is. That I don't have in this podcast episode, but I do know what that those, I can better articulate what those anxiety attacks are now. Okay. <laughs> you guys, if this reflection is not any value for you, please give it a heart. Woo. Come on this podcast and tell you all my business. Is this conversation about childhood trauma, family trauma, uh, body, uh, body memories, body storage of trauma, uh, cancer, Verbal abuse, physical abuse, and and uh, 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 I'm sorry. So a memory just popped up right quick. I'm sorry. I just had a memory that flashed in front of me. Let me start over. If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about abuse. Uh, childhood abuse, uh, even a, in, and what is it called when you're an adult, right? Is, is it abuse when you're an adult? Like when you're a child and you were abused, you didn't have a choice. But when you're an adult, is it abuse when you stay around, you stick around? Yeah, like, cause if we can have a husband and wife and the, the wife is abused or the husband is abused, they can get a, you say, we'll get a divorce. You got a friendship, it's bad. In the friendship, what do you do in this situation? 
And what do you do when that person needs you as they're fighting life for their life? What do you do? What is the right thing to do? But anyway, if you had a, if you had this conversation with someone in the world, please take this link and share with those participants. I'm always looking for, I, I haven't said this in a while. Let me say it t- today. I ask you to do a meaningful share. Don't just share because I'm looking for numbers. I want a quality share. Share it with somebody who's going to get it. And for those of you who've just come to me recently from the solo community, you really like that I'm, I am processing, what I'm processing is, is going solo an adaptive strategy because of this other stuff. See, because I could make sense of, yeah, I'm solo, yeah, but I got to deal with some of this root stuff. And I think I suspect both of them are true, but I got to work it out. <sighs> if my moving about has caused some rent. So anyway, do a, do a meaningful share. Share this with a person that, that you think will get it. So I can have my, my digital crew, my digital forest. All right. If my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I really would love to hear it as it could have nothing to do with, uh, trauma or abuse. I still want to hear it. I love random ideas. I'm a NI Dom, y'all. So find me. Okay. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com on Twitter, yournidom1, YouTube or Facebook. You're an item. Let me give you an assignment. Hold on. What is a truth that you have semi-accepted? It's a truth you've accepted. It is true, but you haven't integrated it as a data point for you to make healthy decisions. It's a truth that sits off into a room. And you can open up at that door and you can... Go entertain that truth for a little while. And then you just leave the truth in the room and you shut the door and you go off about your business. And that truth is just on the other side of that door screaming, screaming for it to be relevant as you make healthy decisions. It needs to be acknowledged so that you can make healthy decisions. What is your truth that you have on the other side of the door? I just told you my truth. I just told you my business. I'm not asking you to get on a podcast like I just did. What I am asking you to do is to do it for yourself. What is a truth that you have shut in another room? Some of you have truths that you don't even yet know about. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a truth that you know, but it's too hard. It's too big. It's too painful. And all you can do is just go into another room with it. Sit with it sometimes. And then leave it because it's too big. It's too painful. What is it? I'm not asking you to take it out the room. I'm not asking you to integrate it, but I'm asking you to acknowledge that you have it in another room. I'm asking you to acknowledge it. I'm acknowledging it. I'm asking you to join me. Don't tell me about it. That's not my business. It's yours. But confront it, okay? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.